Today I'd like to share a very familiar passage of scripture. I suspect many of you can say the whole thing by heart. It's a wonderful, comforting, beautiful psalm, the beloved Psalm 23, a psalm of David. Bear in mind that David had been a shepherd before he became king of Israel. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Perhaps a better translation, I shall not lack. I'll not lack anything that I truly need. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup is running over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell, I will live in the house of the Lord forever. It's highly fitting that an angel came and then a band of angels to announce the birth of the Lord Jesus to shepherds. Luke chapter 2 tells us about that. It's one of the great passages of scripture about the birth of Jesus. What did the angel, the lone angel at first announce? In Luke 2, and remember there was a great light that shone all around them and they were very scared. Verses 10 and 11 of Luke 2, the angel said to them, don't be afraid for look, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be to all the people. For to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Great announcement to God's people and to all the peoples of the world including all of us. A savior has come. We need a savior because we have all done wrong at times. We need forgiveness. And God is love as we sang. And because he loves us so much, he in the person of his son came to die for our sins and to be raised from the dead. Now back here in Psalm 23, Jehovah God is speaking, Almighty God, and he says that he's the Lord and he's a shepherd from David's point of view. The Lord, the Jehovah God Almighty is my shepherd. Well, as we go to the book of Revelation, as I've shared with you previously, we discover that Jesus Christ is Jehovah God Almighty. 
We also know that God is one, and yet he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This helps us grasp the great meaning of Psalm 23 even more fully. This one and true God who saved Israel, who did mighty miracles back in the Old Testament, who redeemed them out of the oppressive hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He, David said, is my shepherd. As we trust in Jesus, who is revealed as the shepherd, the good shepherd, we too have the promises of Psalm 23. Before I go back to Psalm 23, though, let's turn over that familiar passage in the New Testament, John chapter 10. Jesus very clearly shows that he is the shepherd. John 10, then, beginning with verse 1. I tell you assuredly, he who does not enter in by the door to the sheepfold, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep, which would be himself, the Lord Jesus. To him the porter opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he causes his own sheep, calls them all by name, and leads them out. So Jesus, the good shepherd, does that. He knows our names. He knows us individually. And we wonderfully listen to him. We recognize his voice. And then he leads us out. He guides us and directs us. The shepherd, you see, would go in front of the flock. They recognized his voice, and they would follow him. And when he puts out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. And a stranger they will not follow, but they will run away from him because they do not recognize the voice of strangers or foreigners. This parable Jesus spake to them, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, I tell you most assuredly, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Even today there are those who come and claim to be God's leaders, and yet they are teaching false things, wrong things. The sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enters in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Now that's a great statement, isn't it? He contrasts himself to the thief. They come to destroy and steal. But on the other hand, he comes for a benevolent purpose. He comes to give life, spiritual life, eternal life, and that abundantly, full, wonderful life. And then he makes this wonderful statement, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, but he who is hired 
and who is not the shepherd, who doesn't own the sheep, he sees the wolf coming and he leaves the sheep and he flees, he runs away. And the wolf catches them and scatters the sheep. The one who is hired flees because he is one who is hired and he doesn't care for the sheep. I, on the other hand, am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I am known by mine. Sheep know him. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them I must also bring. They shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. There was a Jewish fold, and then there would be the Gentile fold. And eventually we would be one, one flock. Therefore my father does love me because I lay down my life so that I might take it again. He would take it again, wouldn't he, in resurrection? No man takes it from me, but I lay it down by myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it up again. This commandment I've received of my father. Later on, dropping down to verse 27 reiterate some of the things we've already pointed out. As we're God's sheep, this is true of us as we trust in him. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give to them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone pluck them out of my hand. My Father who gave them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. You see, it's like we're in Christ's hand, and then the Father's hand is over that hand. We're in a safe and secure place. And then he goes on to say, I and my Father are one. Remember at the Last Supper, he said, He who has seen me has seen the Father. Well, did they all then fall down and accept these words? Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. You see, they recognized his claim. His claim was to be God. They didn't believe that. They thought it was blasphemy. So at that point, they were ready to stone him to death. But that was not God's will, and they were not allowed to do that. Having said these things, Let's now go back to Psalm 23, bearing in mind that God Almighty is the shepherd, Jesus Christ is the good shepherd. Since that is so, once we've trusted Jesus as our very own, since that is true, then we can say, I shall not want, I shall not lack, I shall not do without anything that I truly need. Now, sometimes there may be things that we want, <laughs> but we don't really need, and sometimes they wouldn't even be good for us if God let us have them. So as we saw in James 4, he may say no for our own benefit. But what I really need, God promises here through the good shepherd, God Almighty, that he will provide. I shall not lack. And then as you see on the sheet in your bulletin, 
a listing of things that we shall not lack, the things that he will make sure that we have, that we truly need. He makes me, in verse 2, to lie down in green pastures. He takes care of us. He gives us food. He gives us nourishment. He leads me beside the still waters. Sheep like to drink out of still places, not rushing fast streams and rivers. He leads me. Remember, we follow him. He not only gives us food, but he gives us water. He restores my soul. There are times we need that restoration. Food and water help provide that. Sleep at night helps provide it. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That's very significant. He leads us, you see, in a good path, in the way of truth and honesty and integrity. Indicates that he would not lead us otherwise. So the shepherd guides, we follow him, and so we live lives of virtue and truth. But it says it's for his namesake. It isn't just for our sakes. It's for his namesake. This is honoring to him. And then there's verse 4. Yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I understand there's actually a place there in Palestine they call the valley of the shadow of death a dangerous place with wild, ferocious beasts that would like to attack and kill the sheep and ravines and places you can fall and and hurt yourself. The staff and the rod that the shepherd carries gives comfort to the sheep. For one thing, he can reach down and help pull you out of the ditch if you fall into it. Protection. God's with us to protect us and help us in the place of danger. Often this verse we find used at funerals where it's actually thinking about death, but when you really look at it, what it is promising here is protection. His rod and his staff and his presence to help protect us. Then it goes on in verse 5. You prepare a table before me, in the presence of my enemies. It's like the shepherd goes out and cleans out the noxious, poisonous weeds, and he takes care, hopefully, that they do not eat anything that's bad for them. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. We get a picture of fellowship, a bountiful provision, sitting at the table, having a great time of fellowship. There is another understanding, too, that years ago I read an article in the Reader's Digest. It was written by a Basque, who often, you know, are shepherds and take care of sheep. He had a little different take on this. The take was this, that if a sheep was injured, say he was cut, say he was feverish, say he had bad scratch. They'd use oil to help as a medicine. 
Remember, that's what happened with the Samaritan story, too. And then the water, if they had a feverish brow to put the sheep's mouth and face into that cool water. So the take at that point would be like healing. And that's why I put as a second thing here, healing. So we might think of it as great and wonderful fellowship and also the thing of, of healing. Then it goes on, verse 6, the last verse. Surely, and this is a good conclusion, a good expectation, a good hope. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. God is good to us. He's merciful to us. He helps us. He's kind. Though we in ourselves don't deserve it, yet he loves us. And he gives his goodness to us and his kindness is expressed to us in so many ways. I guess the older I get, the more I realize how wonderful, how great God is, and how fantastic is his goodness and his kindness toward us. Why should he pay any attention to me? But he does. He loves me. Why should he pay any attention to any of us? He does. He loves us. He died for us. He victoriously conquered death. The last enemy that would be destroyed, it says, is death. And he gives that victory. So we have this confidence. Surely, I'm confident that this is true. Goodness and mercy will follow me, not only in the past, but the present and in the future, all the days of my life, as long as I live. And then the wonderful conclusion, and and I will dwell, I will live in the house of the Lord forever. What a fantastic statement that is. I think too of what it tells us in Psalm 36, verses eight and nine. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of your house and you shall make them drink of the river of your pleasures. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light, we shall see light. Candles, they're lit during this season, during the church service. Jesus is the light of the world. In his light, we see light. <laughs> what a wonderful, beautiful thing this is. And as we think of all these things that I have shared with us today, I came to realize this is a recipe for contentment. A recipe for contentment. If we know and experience what we've talked about today. The New Testament talks about contentment. For example, go with me, if you would, to 1 Timothy chapter 6, the last chapter of 1 Timothy. Verse 6 says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness. To be a pious, 
friend of Jesus, to walk with him day by day. That's great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. A lot of times we may tend to be uncontent, not satisfied. We want more. We want this. We expect this. And we may not get everything we want, like I said earlier. What do we really need? Well, dropping down two more verses here, 1 Timothy 6, 8, having food and clothes, let us be therewith content. Why, that's almost nothing, and yet it's everything in a way. It says if you have food and you have clothes, we can be content. We don't have to have a huge bank account. We don't have to have the best car. We don't have to have prestige among people. We don't have to have many things. But God promises to give us that which we need. We will not lack. Food and clothes, those are essential. And so we should be content when we have those two essential things. And remember, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, if we put God first, we seek him first in his kingdom, then he's going to provide those things. <laughs> he's going to take care of our need of food and clothing. This is a great and, and wonderful thing. One other thought about contentment is that we need not be desirous and greedy of what other people have. It's found in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 5. Let your behavior be without greed or covetousness, and be content, there it is, contentment, be content with such things as you have, which would include food and clothing, because he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. God is with us. <laughs> and so it says we can be content, and we should be content. In fact, he not only says he's with us, he says he will never leave us or forsake us. What is one of the names of Jesus in the New Testament? Prophesied even in the Old Testament. Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? It means God with us. The L part, Emmanuel, refers to God. Actually, the first verse in the Bible is Elohim. It's in its plural form, I believe, pointing to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God with us. And so we can be content. If we have food, if we have clothes, we have God's presence as we trust in him. Contentment is a good thing to have, isn't it? And yet there are so many in the world today that are lacking in that. And they're seeking here and they're seeking there. 
They find drugs. They find drunkenness. They find everything that they can gather together. <coughs> when does a person have enough when they have that attitude? They never have enough. Always want more. Thank God we can be content. Thank God we can rest in the truths of Psalm 23. All these things he provides. Food and water. Restoration. Direction, guidance. Protection. Fellowship and healing. Goodness and mercy. Heaven. <laughs> That's the ultimate, is it not? And it's a great comfort to know that loved ones who have gone before, who've trusted in Jesus, are with Jesus. He was with them in this life. He's with them in the life to come forever and ever. Someday, as fellow believers, we will join them. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. May we have a prayer of dedication. <clears throat> We thank you, Lord, that you decided to come to this world to redeem us from our sin, something we could never do on our own, something you did. You satisfied justice. You took our sins upon yourself and were punished in our place. We thank you then that this is all validated by your mighty resurrection from the dead. Thank you for that new body that you received, a similar body promised to each believer. May we truly now dedicate ourselves to you. May we reaffirm in our hearts our faith and our trust in you. May we experience and thank you for the promises of Psalm 23 and the Good Shepherd. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. The Good Shepherd who gave his life for the sheep and rose from the dead. Amen. <clears throat>